is going on, Chiefs Kingdom? You are back on another edition of the Coach's Corner. I am Justin Dupengeiser. I am joined, as always, by my guy, Caleb James. Caleb, what is going on, dude? We're heading into the playoffs. The Chiefs are 14-2. and They get a first-round bye. Uh, coming off a loss to the to the Chargers, but a game in which no starters played significant time whatsoever, and uh, they're they're getting ready to go to see who their next opponent's going to be in the playoffs. You know, obviously, we never like seeing them go out and lose to a, a divisional opponent in the Chargers, but yesterday didn't matter. Just a chance for them to get out there, get see what they have in some guys, check out some of the young guys and how they play. I was uh, especially looking forward to seeing how the new offensive line would play as well as some guys on the defense that we don't get to see. But for the most part, it was as expected. The Chargers should have come in and won the game, which they did. Now, I do think that going forward into the playoffs, it's a different story. And I'll let you kind of run back on that and tell everyone kind of, the different situations as the Chiefs head into the playoff picture for the AFC. Yeah, so like we just said, Chiefs got the one seed locked up. They they're going to be heading in there, and they're going to just pretty much be waiting to see who their opponent is going to be. They'll play whoever the lowest seed um, remaining is after this weekend. So right now, the Bills and the Colts, um, they'll be playing, and that's the two seven game. So if for some reason you know the Colts beat the Bills then that's who the Chiefs would end up playing because obviously there's no lower seed than the seventh, so that's who it would be. But right now in the AFC, um, other than the Bills and Colts, you have the Ravens and the Titans, that's the 4-5 game, and then the Steelers-Browns, and that is the 3-6 game. Um, we'll we'll get to get to the playoffs scenarios a little bit more here in a little bit, but let, let's just talk about real quick about this game with the Chargers. And I guess we'll start with the offensive line that you mentioned, how you wanted to kind of take a look and see um, if you really noticed anything with that or any of these guys kind of looking towards the future. And the guy that we have been kind of waiting to see all year, basically, was Martinez Rankin, who um, kind of out of left field got the starting spot at the left tackle spot um, instead of uh, Eric Fisher. So... But in general, did did you see anything? I was slightly encouraged. I, I don't think that the that group that they threw out there was all that bad, to be honest. You know, obviously they they weren't great. Um, but you know, it was who was it? it was Rankin at left tackle? It was who at left guard? I can't at, even uh, think now. The, uh, left, left. Uh, I think it was uh, Wiz at left guard. Center was Kilmore. Yeah, right guard was. Yasir Durant and then uh Omama Omama I forget his yeah. first name yeah I never that I guy's Patrick. been on about half the NFL yeah he's been on about half the teams in the NFL since 2013 but uh he got the start out there at right tackle I think that was actually the first start of his career that unit though they didn't do too bad and you know Martinez Rankin when we saw him last year he was in Kansas City as a guard. I know he'd played right tackle for the Texans earlier in his career. That didn't pan out, but it was encouraging to see that flexibility because I really didn't think he did too bad of a job at guard. I think that having experienced veterans like Wisniewski and Kilgore in there on the interior definitely helped things out and definitely was able to uh, show those guys, the young guys who don't have much experience, how to do things. 
it, they didn't run the ball particularly well with Darwin Thompson. He had a couple of nice runs, but where they kind of impressed me was they ran a lot of screens and they were outside of a few instances able to protect Chad Henney fairly well. Yeah, they were. And the, and the one safety that they that they gave up was was more on Henny. He's got to throw the ball. I mean, they're, it's quick game, right? You got to get rid of the football and help help your offensive lineman out a little bit. Um, but yeah, they did okay. I mean, they're they are who they are. They're not going to go out there and be world beaters. Um, I thought that you know, school guy wise, that there was a couple nice games from uh, Byron Pringle, who I know everybody in Chiefs Twitter is just in love with, and then Darwin Thompson. I thought he played hard. I, I think that he is who he is, though. I don't think that um, we will be. Likely seeing him back. I mean, maybe I guess in a backup role, but I, he's nothing more than you know a four-string type running back, in my opinion. Um, but I thought they played hard, and that was it, that was nice to see with with the offense. They they did have some nice early scores, but then kind of when it came down to it, um, you know, just not a lot not a lot of talent out on the field. <laughs> yeah, and I agree a hundred and ten percent. I know that. Uh... Byron Pringle scored a touchdown. He had a couple of nice catches where he really drew everyone's attention. He had a couple of nice gains. Looking at the numbers here, he had four catches for 52 yards. That was third this game for receiving with his touchdown. Darwin Thompson also caught a touchdown pass and had seven receptions for 65 out of the backfield. Then it was Demarcus Robinson with six for 58. He was averaging nine and a half. And then it's followed up by McCole Hardman had two for 25. He also had the big fumble on the punt return that kind of changed the momentum of the game, which I was actually glad that he got that out of the system now because that's just another good learning moment and more of a meaningless football game to be able to tell him, look, you're going to have to really lock in on the playoffs because you see how much this can change the momentum of a game, even in this game, which I consider this almost like the fourth preseason game of the year. And then Garrick Dieter, uh, the Sheepdog, had uh, one catch for 10 yards. Dion Yelder, two catches for six yards. He got absolutely leveled one time. And then Daryl Williams, in very limited reps, just had one reception for two yards. So more or less, you know, not a ton of talent out there. I honestly was more impressed with the fact that Andy Reid was able to scheme up some of those plays early on, and they were kind of a contest for a while there. But he is a great coach, and he can find a way to play or coach almost anybody. Yeah, he certainly can. I, I was I was laughing, too, because the one drive there, they tried to run that little zone read where Henny pulled it, and he tried to get in the end zone because he had scored earlier on the year there. I was like, dude, Henny's trying to get a second touchdown. He got he got absolutely crushed at the goal line. I thought that was pretty funny. But, um, yeah, it was. I mean, it, like I said, the game was whatever. I, I You know, the interesting, too, I guess – thing that kind of stood out to me was Rashad Fenton returning kicks. And I don't know if it was windy at the stadium or if they were doing it on purpose, but every single kick the Chargers had was very short and they were, they were turning them. And Rashad Fenton actually had a little bit, little bit of juice in the return game. I thought as far as a kick returner is concerned. Yeah. Rashad Fenton is a guy who he's a lot more versatile as a football player in general, as I think a lot of people have realized. 
he's a guy who I've been he's a guy I've enjoyed watching play this year because he's really overcoming his talent level and his expectation level to step up and play good defensive back. But that is an area that I remember when coming to Kansas City, they said he is somewhat of a dynamic returner. He's got pretty good open field speed and vision in the kick return game. Maybe that could be something we see moving forward if they wanted to attempt to return some kicks with him. But it's just nice to have those versatile guys back there. And, you know, if that's something that the Chiefs want to maybe implement to spark the team a little bit, then maybe that's something that they should go for. But it's always nice having those guys that can do a lot of things, versatile guys like that. And that's kind of the guys that Andy Reid and Brett Veach like to go after, guys that are, you know, they're not just going to conform to one mold. They can do three or four different things pretty well as opposed to just one. Yeah, it was it was really surprising to me because I, I when Fenton plays like defensive back, he doesn't seem like a guy to me that like jumps off the screen with his like athleticism when he plays DB. But then like when he was returning kicks, I was like, okay, there's a little bit of juice that you can see. You know, he had a nice burst, he had some you know some quickness to him. So pretty interesting, I thought. And you know, if it's a situation where maybe you just need to give McCool Hardman a blow or something for kick return, it's nice to have that availability. Um, of putting him back there and, and having uh, somebody that's clearly capable of doing it in a pinch for sure. Um, as far as the defense of side of the ball goes in this game, I, I know I was super excited to, you know, hopefully see Willie Gay get some more reps and I thought that they would definitely try to, and he did start the game and then suffered a high ankle sprain, um, unfortunately, and reports are coming out today. Well, tonight, as we record this on a Monday evening, that, it is confirmed as a high ankle sprain, and he'll be out at least two to four weeks. And then another guy that um, we kind of been talking about that we didn't really expect to see too much this year um, until now, but definitely could be in the plans of the future was DeAndre Baker at cornerback, who they had you know signed, and he had a sack and almost a near interception, and then has the unfortunate um, mishap happen where he breaks his femur. And already had surgery, and I guess Andy Reid said today that he was already back in the facility, which is and putting some weight on the surgery of femur, which is insane. Um, but yeah, so that that was kind of disappointing to see that those two guys get injured um, with the two four weeks with, with Willie Gay. Do you think that if it's close, they try to push him back and get him in there for two weeks because he has been playing, you know, pretty decent in that third linebacker spot as, as of late. You know, I almost hate to say it, but with the given fact that we have seen them not want to give Willie Gay too many reps, even though he has performed very well the past couple of weeks, I still don't know if they try to rush him back. But he, if it's a situation where if he says here in about two weeks, if he seems like he'll be ready to run around in two weeks, then I could absolutely see them suiting him up again versus whoever the Chiefs play first. and. I hate to say this also, I really don't want to, but I think it's going to come down to how hurt that how hurt Ben Neiman ends up being before they decide what they do with Willie. And I hate to say that because he's Willie's completely looks like he's he's completely outperforming Neiman in the limited action we saw. And he played what, two or three reps this game. And on the first play of the game, he makes a pretty good tackle, good read on a ball. You know, the guy doesn't get very far, and Willie's got a tackle all over the field. So you'd hate to say that, but it could be one of those situations where if the Chiefs feel like they have enough depth at LB, 
headed into the game, then they'll probably just roll with it. Now, hopefully Anthony Hitchens is back and everything will be a little bit better then. But with the current situation, I can see them waiting till Willie is fully 100% or very close to it before letting him go out there and get some run. I think that's the big thing is how healthy is Ben Neiman because he's he's the Chiefs' third linebacker and has been all year. He's their guy when they go nickel and dime. Um, you know, so I guess I guess that's what really you have to see is when is he going to be back and what's going on there um, for him. Obviously, you just hope if at all Willie Gay can get back for a little bit of this postseason and try to contribute. And if not, obviously, just he, he makes a full healthy recovering and is going to be ready to go this offseason because this offseason is going to be super big for him as in terms of his development. He needs to he needs to get reps. I mean, he just needs to get reps and reps and reps and he still flashes even in that in this game where he played, you know, three snaps basically it felt like um he just flashes so much. He had the one play where the guy caught it towards the line of scrimmage and and all of a sudden Willie Gay is like shot out of a cannon out of nowhere and making a tackle at the line of scrimmage. It's just, he just, the, the athleticism that he shows every single game is, is really, really exciting to see, um, you know, for the future for him. So hopefully he'll, he'll be getting those reps this off season and this off season will look a little bit more like a normal NFL off season compared to, you know, what we had this past year with all of the COVID situations. Um, Another guy I wanted to bring up was defensive end Tim Ward. Tim Ward has been a guy that has kind of just hung around for, it seems like, forever, even though he hasn't even been in the league that long. Um, You know, he's only 23 years old. He's 6'6", 256 pounds. He was number 90 in this past game. I'm pretty sure he was an undrafted free agent guy who was actually a basketball player in college and that they've tried to kind of convert him here into a defensive end. yeah, he's out of Old Dominion, and and he actually had a pretty nice game. He had a sack. He had five tackles. Um, you know, he showed some quickness. He's obviously pretty lengthy, and I guess with a six six frame, you're going to look like that. But I think that you know, but obviously the way that these guys are finding players along the defensive line, it's pretty congested right now. Um, but I thought that he flashed something that he's definitely going to be somebody to keep an eye on down down the down the road and in the future for the Chiefs. Yeah, and this was an absolutely huge game for guy a guy like Ward, who since he's been on the Chiefs, he's just been buried on the depth chart. You know, he's just been a guy where he's had so much talent ahead of him, but it should come as a shock to no one that, of course, Brett Veach and Andy Reid and Steve Spagnola are going to have a very capable young pass rusher on their team, even if he is um, a former basketball player at ODU. I do remember... His last season at Old Dominion, he had pretty good production there. It just wasn't one of those deals where he'd had enough football in Old Dominion. You know, it's a smaller D1 school, so he wasn't drawing a ton of interest out of there. The big thing for him is to keep trying to build on that and use that film because, you know, you're six foot six and you are long, long arms, long levers, good athlete. He got a good sack yesterday against the Chargers, pretty much had all their starters ready to roll. I mean, they wanted to go in there. They probably knew it was going to be Anthony Lynn's last game as the head coach. So they were probably wanting to get in there and try to get the win one more time for him. So that was interesting. I do think, though, that Ward will be 
a guy to keep an eye on. He'll always be a practice squad guy while he's in Kansas City. But, you know, maybe at some point they feel comfortable enough bringing him up to the active roster to where he can be a role player. Maybe kind of do like a uh, Taco Charlton or an Emmanuel Ogba type role. Maybe that first guy in off the bench on pass rush downs. That, something kind of like what we've seen for Ogba this year. Yeah, it was it was really surprising to me because I, I when Fenton plays like defensive back, he doesn't seem like a guy to me that like jumps off the screen with his like athleticism when he plays DB. But then like when he was returning kicks, I was like, okay, there's a little bit of juice that you can see. You know, he had a nice burst, he had some you know some quickness to him. So pretty interesting, I thought. And I, you know, if it's a situation where maybe you just need to give McCool Harbin a blow or something for kick return, it's nice to have that availability. Um, of putting him back there and, and having uh, somebody that's clearly capable of doing it in a pinch for sure. Um, as far as the defense of side of the ball goes in this game, I, I know I was super excited to, you know, hopefully see Willie Gay get some more reps and I thought that they would definitely try to, and he did start the game and then suffered a high ankle sprain, um, unfortunately, and reports are coming out today. Well, tonight, as we record this on a Monday evening, that, it is confirmed as a high ankle sprain, and he'll be out at least two to four weeks. And then another guy that um, we kind of been talking about that we didn't really expect to see too much this year um, until now, but definitely could be in the plans of the future was DeAndre Baker at cornerback, who they had you know signed, and he had a sack and almost a near interception, and then has the unfortunate um, mishap happen where he breaks his femur and already had surgery, and I guess Andy Reid said today that he was already back in the facility which is, and putting some weight on the surgery of femur, which is insane. Um, but, yeah, so that, that was kind of disappointing to see that those two guys get injured. Um, with the two four weeks with, with Willie Gay, do you think that if it's close, they try to push him back and get him in there for two weeks because he has been playing you know pretty decent in that third linebacker spot as, as of late?
I think that's the big thing is how healthy is Ben Neiman because he's he's the Chiefs' third linebacker and has been all year. He's their guy when they go nickel and dime. Um, you know, so I guess I guess that's what really you have to see is when is he gonna be back and what's going on there um for him. Obviously you just hope if at all, Willie Gay can get back for a little bit of this postseason and try to contribute. And if not, obviously, just he, he makes a full, healthy recovering and is going to be ready to go this offseason because this offseason is going to be super big for him as in terms of his development. He needs to he needs to get reps. I mean, he just needs to get reps and reps and reps. And he still flashes even in that in this game where he played, you know, three snaps, basically, it felt like. Um, he just flashes so much. He had the one play where – the guy caught it towards the line of scrimmage, and and all of a sudden Willie Gay is like shot out of a cannon out of nowhere and making the tackle at the line of scrimmage. It's just he just the the athleticism that he shows every single game is is really really exciting to see. Um, you know, for the future for him. So hopefully he'll he'll be getting those reps this off season, and this off season will look a little bit more like a normal NFL off season compared to you know what we had this past year with all of the COVID situations. Um. Another guy I wanted to bring up was defensive end Tim Ward. Tim Ward has been a guy that has kind of just hung around for, it seems like, forever, even though he hasn't even been in the league that long. Um, you know, he's only 23 years old. He's 6'6", 256 pounds. He was number 90 in this past game. I'm pretty sure he was an undrafted free agent guy who was actually a basketball player in college and that they've tried to kind of convert him here into a defensive end. Um, yeah, he's out of Old Dominion, and and he actually had a pretty nice game. He had a sack. He had five tackles. Um, you know, he showed some quickness. He's obviously pretty lengthy, and I guess with a six-six frame, you're going to look like that. But I think that you know, but obviously the way that these guys are finding players along the defensive line, it's pretty congested right now. Um, but I thought that he flashed something that he's definitely going to be somebody to keep an eye on down down the down the road and in the future for the Chiefs. Now we lost Caleb there for a minute, or at least I did. I don't know if we can hear him, but yeah, he's his athleticism and his length is something that is definitely something that the people are going to want to keep an eye on. Um, the, he's a developmental guy, but I think that we've seen, especially with the staff that they have now, they're able to do so. A guy like even like we think about like what Mike Dana has done at the DN spot already this year, and he put in another huge productive game um, against the Chargers where he he played outstanding. He was actually I think 
one of the the higher graded guys for uh, from PFF. Again, you know we've talked about PFF on this PFF on this multiple times. Take kind of take it what it is um, with that. But he he was he he played well, and you could see it in got a few pressures. He was great against the run, very stout. Um, obviously Turk Turk uh, was doing his thing out there like he has all all year. Um, but he's been awesome. And Colin Saunders, that was another interesting one. He uh, he was playing defensive tackle, and with all their injuries to linebacker after Willie Gay went out, he actually played some linebacker, and which is was quite something to watch. It was pretty great to actually see him line up there and actually try to play. So uh, I don't know. Um, we'll see what happens there. All right, everybody, we had a little bit of a technical difficulty there. So if you're picking up and listening to this thing in the middle of it and there's a weird cut into it or whatever, it's because there's some technical difficulties, but I think we're back here. So um, we were kind of talking about Tim Ward and his defensive line play and, and how the Chiefs have really been developing guys. And, um, you know, I was kind of – I don't know how much got cut off, but I was mentioning how fun it was actually to see Colin Saunders playing Linebacker after Willie Gay went down, but uh, Caleb, why don't you go ahead and, and if you want to complete your thought there about Tim Ward, and, and, and then we can kind of move on to the next uh, thing we got going here. So basically, the uh, last thing I'll say for Tim Ward was the fact that, uh, you know, he's a guy who's been buried by roster depth since he's been here. He really did show he's not a bad, he's not a terrible football player. They're just buried on the practice squad. I think with his physical talents that he has, his size and his arm length, I think he's really kind of what Steve Spagnuolo probably likes in a defensive end. It seemed like he played the run well. He was able to set the edge, and he was able to make the most out of his pass rush attempts. He got his first ever career NFL sack, so that was awesome. I wonder with him, though, what I think about is could we see him going forward being a guy they sprinkle in off the bench? Could he eventually work his way up to that? But yes, it was very odd backup game. It was, seemed much like it was the fourth preseason game. And seeing big Colin Saunders running around out there playing linebacker was not only hilarious, but I think it just goes and shows you what level of an athlete he is overall. The fact that he was able to go out there, either that or how bad the Chiefs linebackers are, that they had a defensive lineman who went out there and may or may not have moved better than we've seen Ben Neiman move all season long. It, that's literally sad, but I think there is some truth to that sentence right there. Um, pretty pretty crazy and wild to see, but let's talk about the these playoffs here and a couple of these teams, and we'll kind of just kind of go through and we'll talk about the AFC and kind of what we think about my, who might be the best matchup for the Chiefs um, and kind of where where the, the they can have advantages, maybe a little bit where they have disadvantages or whatever. Let's, let's talk first about the Colts and the Bills because um, we'll just start there. It's the first game on Saturday of the Wild Card Weekend, 105 kickoff, Eastern Standard Time, and the Colts are the seventh seed. The Bills are the two seed. The Bills are coming in hot off of a, of a big win against the Dolphins, who looked terrible. And um, 
we'll see what happens, I guess, with the Dolphins there in Tua, but they, they look bad. The Colts and the Bills is a super interesting matchup. I think that the Colts are a very good coach football team. They, you know, Frank Reich's done a great job there. Uh, they like to run the football, obviously, with Jonathan Taylor. I think Philip Rivers, he is who he is at this point in his career. He, he's going to do some good things, and then he's going to do the Philip Rivers things that we've seen um, from his, his time with the Chargers and the Bills. Bills are interesting. The Chiefs played them early in the year in October, and their game plan that, that whole game was to basically just let the Chiefs run the football to which they did. They ran for like 245 on them, and they also threw for like 225 on them um, in a game that really the Chiefs controlled the entire time. Josh Allen had like 66 yards passing going into the middle of the fourth quarter until they played pre-event, and then, you know, he ended up getting finished the game with like 100-something, but uh, probably one of his worst games of the season as far as Allen is concerned. Obviously, I mean, to me, obviously, I think the Chiefs match up better with the Colts. I think the Bills... Offense would provide more of of struggles, but do you think that the Colts have any chance to beat the Bills here? I do think the Colts have a chance to beat the Bills here, and the reason I say that is because the Buffalo Bills, as much hype as they're getting and as much praise as their offense has deserved to get, because it does, Josh Allen has pretty much proved us both wrong when we thought that he wouldn't be a high-caliber starting quarterback. For most of the games he's been in this year, he has looked like a high-caliber starting quarterback, except for that game against Kansas City. The Bills have a soft spot on their defense, though, and that's their run defense. And you mentioned it earlier. The Chiefs went in there with a makeshift offensive line the game. Mitchell Schwartz got hurt in, and Clyde Edwards-Hilaire put on the best game of his career. He was just destroying them with everything he had. That was against the Chiefs team that is predicated on throwing the ball down the field. If you guys take a look at what Jonathan Taylor and that Colts offensive line and their run game has been able to do the last few weeks, they have been punishing people with their ground attack. You know, they got big Quentin Nelson and Anthony Casanzo plowing lanes through people's defense. So, and Jonathan Taylor, he's a very similar back to Derrick Henry. If you're going to stop him, you got to stop him at the line of scrimmage. I still don't think the Bills have quite what it takes up front yet on their defensive front between that front seven to where I could consider them elite at stopping the run enough to go win the Super Bowl. It's going to be a closer game that I think people think the only thing that I think holds the Colts back is their quarterback play. And it's, you know, it's the playoffs. It's going to come down to it. And when you look at it, Phillip Rivers, he hasn't had much success in the postseason. Also, the Colts defense is highly underrated. I think it'll be interesting to see how they play against Buffalo because I think that the Colts could have a few answers for them and make this a lot closer than I think people will think it could be. Yeah, it'll be the game that I I think could end up being pretty close. It all depends on whether or not um, Philip Rivers can can not turn over the ball. If they start turning the ball over and giving the Bills extra possessions, then I think that – they're going to be obviously in trouble. Obviously, with um, you know turnovers in general in the playoffs are just amplified, right? So everything we do is just geared up that much more. So you turn it over, teams are going to take advantage of it because that's you know there's no figuratively speaking bad teams in the playoffs, right? Especially in the AFC this year, you know a lot of, a lot of good football teams. So this will be a super interesting one. I think that the Bills end up winning this. Um, so I, I don't think that obviously that would be somebody that they 
the Chiefs are going to match up with because, like I said, they will play the lowest remaining seed. If we go to the next game, it is the Ravens and the Titans. That's the 4-5 game. Um, Titans getting the playoffs just barely off of a crazy game against Houston. And then the Ravens, who have been pretty hot here down the stretch for, you know, the last few weeks to end up getting in and, and, and getting taking care of business, really doing what they had to do to get in the playoffs. Um, in this matchup, this is you no, know, this is could be either of these teams. The Ravens win, they're the five seed. You know, if the two and the three seeds win, this is the, the Chiefs could end up playing the Ravens. Who do you like in this game? Um, and do you think the Chiefs match up better with one or, or the other, or who, who do you got in this, Caleb? So, Ravens versus Titans. This game is going to be, I think, a potential shootout because both of these teams have the same flaw and the same weakness. Their defenses just aren't playing very good football right now, but they're able to make up for it. This game is literally going to be whichever team is going to be able to run the ball more effectively and be able to control the clock more. This is going to be one of those games. It's going to be quick. Don't blink. The clock is going to be running a lot. Obviously, Tennessee, we, everyone knows the formula for Tennessee. They're going to run the ball, and they're going to establish play-action passes, and they're going to try to let Derrick Henry eat. And on the other side, you know, you got Lamar Jackson. You got their running back by committee. They want to beat you up with their run game to open up RPOs and other quick passes in their offense, such as Baltimore wants to do. I think Baltimore could come out victorious because – to be flat out honest with you, I think Baltimore does have a slightly better defense. The Titans' defense is bad right now. They are not playing well. They don't have any pass rushers, and they compound the issues by making up for it by not being uh, having a very good secondary, and their linebackers' play isn't that great also. So they really struggle on that side of the ball, so for them it's going to be even more important. Ryan Tannehill, I think, is going to have to play close to perfect if they are able to take away the run, and that's not something I don't think he's capable of. So I do think that Baltimore will come away with an upset victory. But, you know, going and looking at the Ravens right now, this isn't just a playoff game for them. This is a this is a gut check game for them because, you know, as much hype and as much, you know, as much hype and as much pizzazz there's been about the Ravens and as overblown as they've been for the last couple of seasons, you know, if they lose this one, Lamar Jackson is staring down the barrel of we're, I'm 0-3 in the playoffs as a starting quarterback since I've been in the NFL. And that's a I know a lot of people like him, but that would be a hard, hard pill to swallow, especially considering the fact that the Titans pretty much went into that game last year in Baltimore when the Ravens were supposed to be the champions of the world and they pretty much just gashed them. So it's going to be a gut check game for Baltimore to see what they're really made of going forward. It certainly is, and if you think back all the way to the beginning of the year, um, it was the Chiefs and the team that was supposed to be challenging the Chiefs was the Baltimore Ravens, and obviously the season, regular season, did not go like that, but the Ravens still found themselves in, and like you, I do think that the Ravens, I, I actually lean the Ravens in this in this matchup. I think that they can beat the Tennessee Titans. I think, like you said, the Tennessee Titans' defense right now is just not good. Um, you know, obviously the, the the matchup is so interesting because in a game where the Titans really don't 
generate much pressure against the pass. They don't cover very well. Um, they're playing a team that doesn't really lean on the pass. So that's almost like it doesn't hurt them as bad as if they were playing like a Buffalo or a Kansas City or even a Pittsburgh where those teams, they, they throw the ball much more than they, they try to run it. So it'll be interesting to see. I think if the Baltimore um, does this does win this game and they are a team that the Chiefs could possibly end up playing um, in the second round. And then the last game is the game with actually a rematch of Week 17. It's the Cleveland Browns versus the Pittsburgh Steelers. And the Steelers, they just rested pretty much everybody against the Browns. The Browns got the win and needed to get the win to get into the playoffs. And they did just that. And now that they hit, now they have a rematch with them in the first round of the wild card here. I, I This one is interesting because it is always interesting when you go and you kind of let a team in the playoffs. you got to play them again and or your division rival. If you told me that the Browns went out and beat the Steelers in this game, I would not be shocked at all, to be honest. Now, can Baker get it done in, in prime time? That is yet to be seen. But I, I wouldn't be shocked if the Browns won this game. Who do you got here, Caleb? You know, I know everyone is going to be fired up and want the Browns to win because they haven't been here in a very long time. But they just kind of struggled to beat the Pittsburgh Steelers with Mason Rudolph playing quarterback for the Steelers. And the Steelers more or less had none of their key defensive players playing either. So I'm going to take the pick of the Pittsburgh Steelers in this one. I think their defense is – I would consider the Steelers to have the only elite defense in the AFC right now. That's where they're going to win their bread and butter. And I think they have the front seven and the unit to be able to take away the Browns' run game, to be able to bottle up Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt like we've seen them do in the past. And I also think that they have the unit to be able to make Baker Mayfield make mistakes. Baker, he has been kind of turnover prone his entire career. He's cut way back down on it this year. But I do think the Steelers are going to try to take advantage of him. And then, you know, defensively, I'm sorry, the Browns are not that great of a defensive football team. Miles Garrett, heck of a football player. He provides a lot of pass rush for them. But overall, I just don't think they're a complete team. And the Browns are also too undisciplined to me to win right now. They get a lot of penalties. That's just something that young coach Stefanski, young team, was going to have to work through. But I'm going to go ahead and take the Steelers in this one just due to the fact that I think their defense will kind of come out and bottle up and shut down Cleveland. Yeah, I, man, this is this to me, this is the, the closest game of of the day or of the AFC matchups, I think. I think that, you know, I think the Bills take care of the Colts. I think the Ravens um, beat, the, beat the Titans. But I think, honestly, this, this Brown-Steelers game is a coin flip to me. Um, I, I'd say I lean the Steelers in that experience with Big Ben and in their defense, like you said. Now, the defense hasn't been quite what it was at the beginning of the year. They've had some injuries that have really hurt them with their, you know, their linebackers getting hurt by Dupree. Um, Spillane, who was their backup linebacker playing for Devin White, he got hurt. So uh, these guys aren't what they used to be, but still obviously very good. Now their biggest weakness is actually probably the secondary for Pittsburgh, um, which, you know, again, it's just these matchups. It's funny how it works out where the Browns aren't a team that's going to be looking to like push the ball down the field necessarily all the time. They, they, they lean on that run game and Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt and those guys, that offensive line and Wyatt Teller 
Um, those are the guys that they really want to lean on, and that's how they want to win is running that wide zone, that Kevin Stefanski scheme that he brought over from Minnesota. That's what they want to do. Um, you know, I, I'll leave the Steelers here, which means if, if the games go like we just kind of mentioned, it would end up being the Chiefs playing the Ravens in, in the second round. And how do you think that a team like Kansas City, we've, we've obviously seen them now play multiple times in the past few seasons, and the Chiefs have had their number. Uh, is this game that makes you nervous at all if it was the Ravens and the Chiefs, or how do you think uh, the Chiefs match up with the uh, Baltimore? Well, it's the playoffs, so you've always got to be excited to go. But I still think that the Chiefs would have Baltimore's number again this time, even though the Chiefs have won three straight games against them. And I think it just comes down to the simple fact that, you know, the Ravens' defense is struggling. The Chiefs have always had an answer for everything that Baltimore has done. If the Chiefs were to get into a shootout with Baltimore – I think that's where they win. I think Baltimore's only chance of winning would just be to muddy it up and turn it into just a cloud of dust game, and that's really not what Lamar Jackson wants either. But I tell you what, dude, Lamar Jackson has not proven to play well in big games. At no point in his career can I look back and say, yeah, Lamar Jackson played really well in a big game. And You know, you remember earlier this season, we were uh, had a football game Monday night contest, and the whole world picked Baltimore to win, and I don't even know why the Chiefs showed up that night. Well, the Chiefs showed up that night, and Patrick Mahomes, people want to talk about, you know, if we want to talk about MVP performances or whatever. I'd say going into Baltimore as the underdogs, quote-unquote, and just kind of hanging a big L on their head as Mahomes put up one of his best games of his career on them. I'd say maybe that was a little bit of an MVP moment, but uh, I guess it wasn't in the end. But yeah, I still like the Chiefs to go into Baltimore and win. And you know what the Chiefs have also added since that game in Baltimore? The Chiefs' running game has gotten better. Clyde Edwards-Hilaire and Le'Veon is now Le'Veon Bell is here. So I still like the Chiefs, even if it comes down to a close one versus the Ravens. Yeah, I'm with you. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take the Chiefs there too. But um, just to your point, Chiefs won 34-20. That game, that score is not as close as it even indicated. Um, Mahomes was 31 of 42 for 385 and four touchdowns. So, <laughs> I mean, that, that was a game that they came out and they thought they could just, you know, blitz, blitz, blitz. And Mahomes just kept saying, yes, keep blitzing and I'll just keep shredding you. Um, and, I, you know, you, you'd wonder if they do get mashed up again, if the Ravens, after, you know, playing them three times now in the last few years, if they'd say, hey, let's try something different against this Mahomes guy. He's pretty good, and he's pretty he's pretty good against the Blitz especially. So be interesting to see how they would uh, try to handle that and if they try to do the old, um, you know, put two safeties deep and play six in the box and force these guys to run, or if they would just kind of try to stand pat and like, hey, this is who we are. We're going to we're gonna Blitz people. We're going to play man and, and hope that, that that's good enough. So. And, uh, you know, like you said, and to the point, the, the thing that always puts the pressure, especially on other quarterbacks and other teams' offenses, is not so much the Chiefs' defense. It's the Chiefs' offense. You have to score points against them. So if, if you're out there and you're Baltimore and you kick field goals or you get down, um, you know, 10, 14, 17 points, now all of a sudden you're pressing. And we've seen when Lamar has to press and he has to make throws, and you got to start trying to throw to come back. He has not had that much success with it. So. 
I think that would be an interesting matchup. I could definitely see it being the Chiefs and the Ravens in the second round. Um, I think that the, the Chiefs are on a collision course to play Buffalo in the AFC Championship game. It definitely seems that way as of right now for just kind of the way the two teams are playing, but it, it's the playoffs. You never, you obviously never know what can happen. Like I said, everything is just amplified that much more. Um, I guess the last thing we can kind of go over here before we get out of here, obviously the end of the year awards are going to come in up. Do you think that, do you think that the Chiefs take any home? I know obviously Mahomes is in the MVP conversation. You got Travis Kelsey and offensive player of the year discussion. Um, I don't think Andy Reid is, is in the coach of the year discussion, even though I think he should be. And this, this always makes me wonder, is it more impressive for a guy like Kevin Stefanski, who's obviously done a terrific job to take a team like the, the Browns and, and get them into a winning situation? Or is it more impressive for a guy like Andy Reid, who's coming off his first ever Super Bowl champion and get a team ready, and then they come back after you've seen – Throughout history, almost every team come back with a Super Bowl hangover, and instead he gets these guys to 14-2, and another AFC West title, another number one seed, and the playoffs going through Arrowhead. I know it's weird to me that got like a situation like that where Andy Reid isn't in the Coach of the Year discussion where it seems like so clear to me that he should be. Isn't it just ridiculous how – we, you know, I think a lot of Chiefs fans, we've waited our entire lives to see the Chiefs great, and now people are just normalizing the Chiefs' greatness and trying to act like we shouldn't talk about them. Um, Patrick Mahomes, he should be in the MVP conversation every time he steps onto the field, and the only thing that's holding him back is his standard is so much different than everyone else's standard. Aaron Rodgers is probably going to win the NFL MVP this year. All right, that's fine. Cool. We can get past that. Because, you know, it's like it's the LeBron James treatment. Like I said, they're going to give it to the next best player, even if it's close, just to keep that variety going. And, you know, I'm sure that this isn't going to – I mean, Patrick Holmes is a competitive guy. He'll probably remember that if it comes down to the Chiefs playing the Packers in the Super Bowl-type situation. I think there is no reason Travis Kelsey shouldn't win Offensive Player of the Year. Yes, I know Dalvin Cook and Derrick Henry had fantastic seasons at the running back position. But what Travis Kelsey's done this year has been so special to not only football, but the position of tight end. He Travis Kelsey's honestly, in my opinion, the most overlooked player on the Chiefs team. His accolades are not shouted enough. And, you know, these people that still claim that Rob Gronkowski was the most dominant tight end of all time, you can move all that aside because Travis Kelsey right now is already playing so much better He's already much better than Gronk ever was. He's just behind on the wards and the team wins, which I have a feeling he'll get to them. And the same thing, you know, they're probably going to give it to Kevin Stefanski because he got the Browns to the playoffs and they won 10 or 11 games this year. And, you know, the city of Cleveland's going nuts. Andy Reid won a Super Bowl last year and came out this year and has not only put up his best record as a head coach in the regular season, has a franchise record and this season the league record, 14-2, and and which one of those games that we saw this last week was more or less a preseason game of sorts. So yes, he should absolutely be in the conversation, if not win it. Now, do I think they'll let him win it? No, I don't. And you know what? That's fine, because when you set, the Chiefs are on a different standard than the rest of the NFL is right now. And I really think that's going to be something that is highlighted through the playoffs because 
what we're going to see from them, I think, is going to be an incredibly special run. There's three games left. If the Chiefs can win this first week in this or in the second round in the division round, if they can win, if they can get to the AFC Championship game again, and then if they can get to the Super Bowl, that's three games. That's not that much, right? Only about what twelve quarters of football. The Chiefs have twelve quarters of football left in them potentially. Only four guaranteed right now, but they have that much time left to go out here and do something that we have not seen in the NFL in a very long time, and this could be the start of something very special. And I think the key there that you said is that they, they're just setting a new standard, and it's the conversation that we've had you know, before we started recording here is, is that the LeBron James comparison is that Patrick Holmes is the best player in the world right now in football. I think that's pretty tough to argue that he's not. I've seen what he's done in his three years as a starter. And pretty much at this point, you know, it, that's what LeBron is. He's been the best player. In, LeBron was the best player in, in the world in basketball the second that he stepped on the court in the NBA. Did LeBron James win the MVP every single year? No, he didn't. Because it got to a point where his level of greatness, he was only competing with himself. Right now, it seems like Mahomes is only competing with himself to win MVP because he has set that standard and set that level of greatness so high that unless he does something spectacular and sets even more records, even though he did all year is set records, but even if he, he's got to do something so far beyond what other quarterbacks have to do to win this is that when a guy like Aaron Rodgers has a great year and he did, it's not taking anything away. He's probably there. People are probably going to lean Rodgers way, whether you, you think that's right or wrong. It's just, kind of the way it is it seems at this point um and I think that's a good way to say it is just the level of standard has changed Mahomes is competing against himself the, the Travis Kelsey thing is is like you said does not get shouted enough either too because I know everybody's talking about Stefan Diggs he led receptions and yards and you know he set all these records for the Bills franchise Devontae Adams had all these touchdowns um Derrick Henry in the 2000 yard club um and all these guys, incredible years, incredible years. And there's something to be said, too, about you look at kind of the numbers that are going to be putting up. Teams have been – and individuals have been putting up offensively. Holy moly, the, the, the offenses right now are just insane. But, you know, what Travis Kelsey has done, he is – you know, the, the gap between Travis Kelsey and the rest of the tight end position right now is so big. I think that that's why you have to keep him in the conversation because right now – you can make an argument that Dalvin Cook is the best running back in the NFL, that Christian McCaffrey is the best running back in the NFL, You know that Tyree Kill is better than Devontae Adams or Stephon Diggs. Um, you can make that argument against these guys, You know that DeAndre Hopkins is better than these guys, that Julio Jones is better than these guys. Not that they maybe necessarily are, but you can certainly make the argument. You can't really make an argument, I don't think, right now. Yes, everybody talks about George Kittle, and he's fantastic. He's a great player. It's pretty tough to argue what Travis Kelsey has done, and like you said, done for the tight end position. He's doing stuff that's never been seen in the history of the NFL. Um, and that's, you know, and he's doing it. He had the second most receiving yards as a tight end, not – you know, he's blocking half the time that he's out there. He's blocking defensive ends. He's blocking linebackers. You know, it's a little bit different than when, you know, Stefan Diggs is out there just running routes against a corner or he's just blocking mostly a corner most of the time. You know, it's a little bit different, um, I think, that you know, for what, what Kelsey is doing. But I, I doubt he'll win, unfortunately. Um, but 
I guess the the thing that has been so great about this Chiefs team and since this whole thing started was these guys, they just care about one thing, and that's winning the Super Bowl, and they know that everything else will follow with them. And, uh, you know, they keep on the path that they're going on. Um, all of them are going to be, you know, getting getting measured for their yellow jackets when their careers are over, and, and they'll be in the hall. And I guess that's that's more important than some individual awards on certain years. So looking to make it, you know, run it back, right? It's playoff time. It's here. We get to enjoy a bye week for Kansas City. Have everybody get healed up and uh, see how these AFC playoffs kind of, of turn out and see who you, the Chiefs get to play next. But, Caleb, before we get out of here, man, why don't you tell everybody what you're working on, where they can find you, or any closing thoughts you might have. Yo, so you guys can find me, as always, on Twitter, at CJ Scoobs. Um, I'm up to 999 followers, so whoever gives me that 1,000th follow, that'd be much appreciated. I was going to write a little bit this week, uh, do a little film review on maybe some of the younger offensive linemen for the Chiefs and maybe look at Byron Pringle for a little while. So you guys be sure to check that out. And just another quick side thought. I have all these people, you know, everyone across the NFL and around the league is saying, oh, the Chiefs need to be worried about this and the Chiefs should be worried about that and this and that. Do those people seem to have amnesia for who exactly the Chiefs have on their roster? Because we were sitting here, I was sitting here thinking about it earlier today and looking at the other teams in the AFC. And I said, well, these guys can't defend the run, so we can gash them with our running game. And I said, these guys can't defend the pass, so we can throw all over them. So, you know, we've touched on this a lot on the show. The Chiefs are a pick-your-poison when it comes into there. And guess what? In the playoffs, everything is elevated. So maybe it's the Chiefs that some of these other teams should be worrying about at this point. But, Justin, I'll let you go ahead and finish out the show on that one, man. Yeah, so once you get to your 1,000 followers, I'm going to unfollow you. So you're back to 999. <laughs> no, I'm just playing with you. I wouldn't do that to you. <laughs> um no, and it's funny because I, I obviously we've talked about this before. I live in Bills country, and everybody, I mean, obviously with the, with the success the Bills are having, they've had a, a phenomenal year, and they have not had any success in a very long time. But all I keep hearing how is how the Bills are the hottest team in the NFL. Nobody wants to play the Bills. Blah blah blah, all this stuff. And I said, you know, and I said, I guess that's did it. It's how you decide who the hottest team is. To me, a team that hasn't lost a game has, or has only lost one game, I'm not going to count this last one, only one game in the last, like, 420 days and has a Super Bowl championship, maybe they're the hottest team, not the team that's, you know, come in and had a 13-3 season. That's, you know, your guys are going crazy over going into Denver and beating the Denver team that had five starting secondary guys out. I said, what's more impressive, going to Denver and beating up on a really bad Broncos team that has most of their secondary out, or Kansas City going into New Orleans with their third-string guard at right tackle, putting up 31 points and beating a potential Super Bowl contender in the NFC? I said, I was like, what's more impressive to you? Like, where – Who's hotter? Like, I guess that's a point of perspective, but that's that'll be my closing thought. You can find me on Twitter uh, at jdiz1617. Um, I'm only at 671 followers, so maybe you guys could give me a follow and I can catch Caleb. You know, we can see we'll have a race to 1,500. Um, see if we can get to 1,500 followers first. I, I mean, maybe I should just hope to get to like 690 first, but um, we'll see what happens. 
<laughs> guys, make sure you're going over to Arrowhead Live. Check out all the articles we got, all the other podcasts. Check out all the merch we got. Um, it's playoff time. It's time to run it back. And, you know, you saw Pat. He tweeted out as soon as he said, man, it's time. So, dude, that dude, I'm excited to see what he's about to do in this playoffs because I feel like we've talked about it before, man. He, he, if he feels slighted or disrespected, he's – He's going to light somebody up, and I think that's coming. So I'm looking forward to it. But as always, guys, we appreciate everybody being here. Um, stay safe, whatever you're doing. I know COVID's going a little crazy right now in places. So stay safe, wear your mask. Let's make sure we get through this playoffs um, healthy. And uh, let's get another Super Bowl. Let's run it back. <laughs>